Hello and welcome to our podcast, Boozy Books and Movies, where my wife and I are going to get really drunk and talk about books and then how they compare to their movie or TV show counterparts. Hello and <laughs> don't jump when I start. Well, I'm the one that starts. Oh, fine, then you start. No, you got it. Uh, you, you, you fucked me up! <laughs> Hello, and welcome... What's the name of the podcast? No, I was trying to figure out... <laughs> you fucked me up, you have to do it now. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to Boozy Books and Movies. My name is Colton. And I'm Melina. <laughs> and today we're going to continue reading The Outsider Book. By Stephen King. But first, alcohol. But first, alcohol. That's right. <laughs> I have this green concoction in front of me. It looks interesting. I don't I don't know what's in it. I'm kind of scared. But if you want to take a gander at what it is, you can go onto our Instagram page, Boozy Book Movie. Boozy Books and Movies. God damn it! Uh, that's a Twitter. Yeah, Twitter is Boozy Book Movie. <laughs> Boozy Books and Movies on Instagram. Because Twitter didn't allow enough characters. Yeah. It was like Boozy Books and Mim. <laughs> yeah. So Boozy Books and Movies on Instagram, Boozy Book Movie on Twitter. So, sniff test, definitely minty, for sure. Oh yeah, super strong mints, minty. Mm -hmm. Hey, my drink looks like the Pinterest picture for once. There you go, because usually it's not the same color Mm -hmm. at all. Well, I'm the type of person who, like, adds and does different things, (laughs) and I never just stick to a recipe. It's just not my style. That's true. I think it's pretty good. Yeah. yeah Couldn't even begin to tell you what's in it. It's just mint. That's <laughs> what it is. It's just a big old mint ball. So the name of it is a Misty Mint Cocktail. Okay. 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 Let me... Hang on. I lost my, my place on here. Here's the recipe. Prep time, three minutes. Oh, that did not take me three minutes to... Uh, How long did it take you? Like, 30 seconds. Oh. And it wasn't a difficult... No. So the ingredients... For St. Patrick's Day. Of course. It's bright green. One and a half ounces of green cream de menthe, which is just a mint liquor. I don't know. And then one ounce of white rum. So I did a double recipe in there. Mm. So it's three ounces of cream de menthe and two ounces of white rum. So it's just all alcohol. No, I put some water in there too to f- just fill up water. some. Water? <laughs> it like wasn't tall enough and I couldn't figure out what the hell else kind of liquid to put in there to fill it up. So yeah, it's a little watered down, but okay. it's not that much. But I just like had to fill like a little bit mm-hmm. of space because I put the ice too high. Uh-huh. And then it diluted it a little so it looks more green. Yeah. Because it was good. just like black, black. before. Mm-hmm. No, I think it looks pretty good. So that's what it's supposed to look like. That's what it looks like. Yep. Yeah, it looks pretty good. Pretty spot on. Yeah. All right. So last week, again, we were talking about this chapter called Bienvenidos a Tejas, (laughs) which I still can't pronounce very correctly. We made it through uh, 12 sections of it, and we're going to finish that up right now. We don't have a whole lot left in this chapter. And then after that, we have one big chapter. Yep. And then that's pretty much it. So we're really yes. pumping through it. We're almost uh, almost done, about 90% of the way through the, the book. So we're, we're almost there, and then we'll get to watching the show, and we'll we'll start mm-hmm. to go back and compare it, the show, to yeah. the, to the um, book again. So. Yep. so yeah, so we're starting with section 13 of this chapter, 
if you remember, they were all kind of huddled around the um, the Lovey Bolton household talking about stuff. And they didn't want Claude to hear what they were saying because they didn't want Claude to tip off the outsider. Because if right. the outsider can read his mind, then that kind of defeats the purpose of all this. So um, they, were t- they were trying to throw Claude, a- a.k.a. the outsider, off by saying, oh, once we check out this one more thing, we're going to... Uh, get the outsider off of their case by saying that they are going to finish up a few things in town and then they're going to go back to Flint City. But in reality, they aren't going to do that. But for the time being, uh, you know, they had a big meal, all that chicken that Claude brought back from town. Um, and Lovey said that she would do the dishes in the morning or whatever. Don't worry about it. You guys go ahead and go or whatever and mm-hmm. be fine. And so they said, OK, yeah, we'll see you, see you later or whatever. And so they all left. And then we're starting section 13 off. About 15 minutes after they left, they came back and heard Lovey Bolton snoring. And so they figured it was okay to come back in. (laughs) So Yoon washed the dishes, Ralph dried the dishes, and Holly put them away. So they did all the dishes for Lovey Bolton so she wouldn't have to. Sweet old lady. (laughs) Claude, Howie, and Alec were looking for signs of last night's potential intruder in the home. And so this is where Yoon says that he didn't need to bring his gun because Lovey is packing. He found a Ruger American 10 plus one on the dresser, extra clip right beside it. He found a Remington 12 gauge leaning on the corner and that was right next to her Electro Lux. It's Texas, baby. Texas, baby. (laughs) And so um, Yoon said that Claude was probably packing too. (laughs) Oh my God. So Holly asks if uh, Claude is a convicted felon and if he should have guns, because if he's a convicted felon, he probably shouldn't have any weaponry. Ralph says, yes, Claude is a felon, but it's Texas. And Claude is very clearly rehabilitated. And so Yoon agrees. He says that he is rehabilitated and that the outsider picked a perfect candidate with Claude's history of drug sales, service, and gang activities with the Satan 7, which was the gang or whatever. But Ralph says that that it doesn't matter. Their history never matters because no one believed that Terry would have done it. And yet, I mean, he, you know. That's true. He had like an immaculate, you know. And then they ever, the whole town turned on him anyways, you know. Even though he had such a good, clean, upstanding citizen history, it didn't matter. So doesn't, you know, pick Claude or not, you know, having a horrible history, reformed, or just whatever. Because it is funny because, yeah, the whole, the town didn't even like know about all the evidence and stuff they just saw him get arrested and Mm -hmm. assumed that he did it Mm -hmm. which is awful to not even like not even like question it not even like look into it at all yeah just be like oh they arrested him so he had to have done it Mm -hmm. and that is the end of section 13 moving on over to 14 okay section 14 so this was this was howie ralph and holly and alec so it was dusk by the time that the group got to Home Depot, and after 9 p.m. by the time they got back to the Indian Motel, which Jack Hoskins observed, once more peering through the drapes in his bedroom, and mm-hmm. rubbing obsessively at the back of his neck, because, you know, his sunburn or imaginary sunburn or whatever. They went to Ralph's room and laid out everything that they had brought, they had bought on the bed. They had five short-barreled UV flashlights and extra batteries, and five yellow hard hats. Howie picks up one of the flashlights and asks if it will really pick up this outsider's trail or spore, whatever it is. Holly says it will if it's there. Howie then puts on a hard hat and went over to the mirror and complained that he looked ridiculous. And, well, no one disagreed with him. So then Howie says, we're really going to do this? Try at least? 
That's not a rhetorical question, by the way. It's me trying to get my head around it as an actual fact. Alec pretty much says that it's not like they can go to the local police. (laughs) And then Holly says, well, if they don't do it, then he will just keep killing more kids. And then that's pretty much on your head is what she's saying is that you have this responsibility to try and at least stop this thing. Howie then asks Holly how they're going to get in because Lovey said it's buttoned up tighter than a nun's underwear. And if they (laughs) do get in, won't they need rope? Why didn't they get that at Home Depot? Home Depot. Wow. Can't fucking talk. Holly says that she shouldn't need any rope because the outsider wouldn't go in too deep because he wanted to because he would be afraid of getting lost or crushed in a cave just as much as they would. And so Holly also says that she thinks that this this thing is so weak and should be in like a hibernation part of the cycle, but instead he's been like exerting himself by trying to like throw them off his trail and stuff. So that I lost my place on my page. Um, I cannot be drunk already. Holly says that she thinks that a small part of his physical self was there, and it has taken, like, a lot out of him to, like, you know, travel remotely, pretty much, from Flint City into Texas and, you know, back. So Holly replies, do you think he's a supernatural being? And Holly says she isn't sure. So Holly throws the hard hat on the bed and asks Holly if guesswork is all she has. And Holly looks really hurt by this, but Ralph and Alec, like, knew that Howie was just scared, and that was just him, like, lashing out because he was scared. So Ralph says that if it's, that it's still hard for him to accept El Cuco or shapeshifters or whatever, but that with everything that has happened, there is some sort of outsider here, and they just kind of have to accept it. So Alec says that the outsider really screwed up because of Terry's convention in Cap City. Now it questions how the outsider could have missed that Terry was going to be at a convention if he has, like, mind reader ability. Like, how mm. how did he, like, miss that? Yep. Um, Holly said that maybe he, like, had to. Like, he got to the point where it was, like, he needed to kill, like, now um, to, like, satisfy his urges or whatever. His to, hunger. And that, maybe, yeah, maybe he was too hungry to wait for another time. And Ralph chimes in and says, well, maybe he didn't care anymore because it's, I mean, it is standard for not... I wouldn't say, like, standard, because nothing about serial killers are standard. But, like, that it is, you know, serial killers can get pretty, like, cocky and confident that they're never going to get caught. Because they've gotten away with it so many times before. Like, why would it, why would they not get caught? Why would they get caught this time? And you don't know, because this outsider could, he could be alive for thousands of years and has been doing this for thousands of years or whatever. I mean, you don't know. They're kind of alluding that it's possible with all, like, so he's, the, he's, the uh, legends so, and stories about mm-hmm. this you know, thing. so all these you know hundreds of years or whatever, thousands of years, and he's never been caught once. You know, who cares? <laughs> right. You think you're invincible? Yep. Holly, you know, says that they've disrupted his usual pattern and found his hiding spot in the barn, and he had to run. So that's why, like, maybe you know, this is weird for this is kind of weird for him. So he had to run, but he found a perfect home in the Marysville hole, and they have the advantage, or. So they think, I put in parentheses, so mm-hmm. I wonder if that's what it had in the book too. Because Claude doesn't know that's where they're going. The outsider hibernates in or near places of the dead, preferably those associated with, like, the bloodline of the person that the outsider is changing into or out of. Mm-hmm. So Howie asks, what if he has a helper? Which is very ironic, because mm-hmm. he does have a helper. <laughs> or an accomplice. Alex says that he sees Howie's point, but that serial killers usually work by themselves. <laughs> Howie announces that he is going to bed, but says that he wants to know, like, 
you know, step by step what this plan is. And ha- Holly, like, he, Howie kind of, like, looked at Holly to, like, figure out what this plan is. And Holly is, like, deer in the headlights. Like, I, I, I don't know what's going Like, I don't mm-hmm. know what to do. So she kind of, like, gives Ralph, like, a panicked look. And he, like, jumps in. So Ralph says to do nothing before 9 a.m. So they can all get plenty of sleep. Then pack up, check out, pick up you, and head to the Marysville Hole. Which is pretty basic like plan there mm-hmm. there's not not much of a plan but yep so alex chimes in that if they would be leaving the bolton's house going to the marysville hole it'd be going in the direction like opposite from the airport so they had to like come up with a plan like what where they were going or why they were going in the wrong direction to throw off right claude to throw off the outsider right, right. so alec asked ralph who the state cop was that had come out and talked to claude originally and ralph was like well i'm not sure but let me look at my notes because he keeps everything on his ipad and he found out that this cop's name was Corporal Owen Sipe. So Alex says to tell Claude and Levy that they got a call from Corporal Sipe saying that a man roughly matching Claude's description is wanted in Tippet for questioning in like a robbery that happened like the night before. So Yoon can verify that Claude was at home all night long. So then that's why they would be going to Tippet instead of directly to the airport. And then like and then say they were going to fly back to Flint City like afterwards. So Ralph says that sounds fine. They just need to make damn sure Claude doesn't see the flashlights or the hard hats in the vehicle. Mm. <laughs> that is the end of section 14. Nice. Section 15. So it's at like 11 p.m. and Ralph was in his uh, motel room or whatever. And he's laying <laughs> on his bed. He's just chilling out. And he knew that he should go to bed, but he doesn't. And so he calls Jeannie and talks to her for about half an hour. And they talk about like Derek, about the case, and about insequential shit, as the book puts it. Inconsequential. Inconsequential? Yeah. That's what I said, right? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) So then he he tried to turn on the TV because he still can't go to sleep. (laughs) Sorry, that was a very, like, I inhaled and then that cough just kind of, like, like my breath kind of, like, caught and I just, like, had to cough. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't mean to cough in the middle of you talking. That's kind of (laughs) rude. So he tries to turn on the TV because he still can't sleep, but the TV doesn't work because this is bumfuck fucking Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, so then all of a sudden, um, he's reaching for the land. He's reaching for the lamp. lamp. Probably lamp. lamp. That's probably it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I typed the wrong thing down, so of course. So, uh, so then Ralph was like, fuck it, I'm going to go to sleep. And so he started reaching for the lamp when someone knocked at the door. Bum, bum, bum. It was Holly. Uh, so Ralph, uh, once he opened the door, realized, oh, I'm in my boxers. But Holly <laughs> didn't really notice or seem to notice. And so, but she was worried about waking him up. And he said, no, I was not awake or I was not asleep. And so she's like, okay, cool. So she has her iPad with her. And um, Ralph says that she needs to get some sleep because she looks really tired. But Holly <laughs> says that the more anxious she gets, the less tired she is. You're having oh. issues. <laughs> Ralph says that she should take some Ambien. And Holly says that it would mess with her antidepressant medication. So I think that's the first time we get a hint that she's on antidepressants. Well, it sounds like she's kind of led kind of a fucked up life. That's true. So. That's true. That's true. <laughs> So Holly was using research to help her go to sleep, but it didn't work because she was finding out some things. <laughs> so on the Ahiga side of the Marysville hole, mm-hmm. Lovey said that one of the Jameson twins dropped a plastic uh, chief Ahiga out of his pocket. And so then she was researching the hole and who this Ahiga chief is. So need some more shamrock. <laughs> 
So she found a picture of the real chief Ahiga in 1888. The chief lived with a small contingent of Navajos on the Tigua Reservation near El Paso. He married a Caucasian woman and moved to Austin, Texas, but he was treated horribly. Eventually, they moved to Marysville, and he was accepted once he cut off his hair and became a Christian. They opened a trading post and eventually became the Indian Motel and Cafe, which they're staying in right now! Mm-hmm. Boom! And, um... <laughs> So she pulled up two, uh, or she pulled up a picture of him two years before his death in 1926, and he had changed his name to Thomas Higgins. The Navajo chieftain was wrinkled now. Instead of a headdress, he was wearing spectacles, a white shirt, and a tie. In that picture from him two years before his death. So, in addition to running the Marysville's only, in addition to running Maryville, Marysville's only successful business. Fuck. <laughs> Thomas Higgins first discovered the hole and ran the first tours. So Ralph figured that the hole would be named after the town instead of him because he was still considered a redskin even after all of his changes to his appearance. So it, instead of, you know, being called whatever is, you know, his name, yeah. it was called after the town. But he still got an entrance to the hole, I guess. Um, so the chief got the Higgins. Ahiga entrance with a painted version of Chief Ahiga in his headdress leading the way. Um, This entrance was actually where the staff brought supplies and was also the emergency exit, so not a whole lot of people saw it, which also adds to racism. (laughs) Um, So this entrance was near where the rescue parties went in to find the kids that were buried in the avalanche or whatever, and they were trying to find an alternate route that would take them to the kids. Because, and so eventually after the incident, the main entrance was filled with cement and the Ahiga entrance um, only appeared to be only appeared to be boarded up with wood. Mm-hmm. And so um, Ralph says this is probably how the outsider got into the cave. And Holly suggests that this should be the first place they go to and see if there is forms of a break in. Mm-hmm. So good job, Holly. You found out where the entrance could be because the other entrance was filled with cement. So, so Ralph compliments Holly about her detective skills, and Holly says that he is kind to say that. Dun dun dun! Sexual tension. Uh, yeah, it's it's just like Ralph and his wife have such a, like a great relationship <laughs> that it's like kind of sad that Holly's like. Yeah. Well, because we'll continue with my next section. All the time. Yeah, I'll be dead anyway. Stuff. So, outsider will kill them all. <sighs> But I'm, I'm kind of questioning it. So. <laughs> Ralph says that it's uh, not kindness for giving her the compliment. You're better than Betsy Riggins and much better than the waste of space known as Jack Hoskins. <laughs> He'll be retiring soon. And if the job was mine to give, you'd get it, Holly. And she saw, Holly says that uh, bail jumpers, repos and lost dogs are enough for her. She doesn't want to ever be in another murder case. Ralph says that Holly should get some sleep, but Holly says that she has another reason for coming to his room this late. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> Sexual tension. <laughs> Section number 16. So it starts out with Holly, like, how she's thinking about when she met Bill Hodge, which we did always, like, because we had speculated uh, that she had, like, a relationship with Bill Hodge. Hodge. And so she starts this section about thinking about how Ralph is very similar to Bill, that his intel- their intelligence, his occasional flashes of good humor, and most of all, his doggedness. 
Can you please stop making inappropriate motions with your fingers? <laughs> <laughs> Bill would have liked Ralph because Ralph also believed in chasing the case. They were also different because Ralph was 30 years younger and he arrested Terry Maitland before he understood the true dimensions of the case, which makes him flawed in Holly's opinion. Mm-hmm. Then Holly prays in her head to help Ralph understand her. So then Holly goes on to tell Ralph that... Ev- that every time they talk about the outsider, it's conditional. Like, they always say, if he exists, or supposing he exists, or assuming he exists. Holly tells Ralph that she doesn't care about the others, but she needs Ralph to believe. Ralph starts to say something, but Holly cuts him off. She argues that the idea of El Cuco is not really any more inex- inexplicable than many terrible things that happen in the world every day. She then makes a comparison. Wasn't Ted Bundy just a version of El Cuco, a shapeshifter with one face for the people he knew and another for the women he killed? They make a few more comparisons, and then Ralph finally agrees that El Cuco exists for the next 24 hours. So Holly gets up to go to bed, and as she's leaving Ralph's room, he says, no into the universe, and she says, that's right, no into the frackin' thing. Good night, Ralph. Aww. That's the end of section 16. End of section 16, and the end of that chapter, mm. fucking finally. We took three episodes to finish that <laughs> All right, so now we're finally done with that godforsaken chapter. Um, next week, mm-hmm. we'll continue with the next chapter. It's a big one, so I'm not sure we'll get it all done. Um, but it is called the Marysville Hole, and we will find out what happens at this magnificent hole that we keep talking about. Um, that makes it seem weirdly sexual. <laughs> this, hey, this whole book is going to be sexual here in a minute. Yeah? Maybe I didn't get there yet. <laughs> <laughs> I can make any of this sexual. You really can. <laughs> Ralph and Holly clapping. No, there's no clapping. <laughs> No, they're all going to die soon, so it's okay. I, I'm rooting for the outsider. I think he should win. Why? I think I thought Thanos should have won, too. Oh, my goodness. I'm just trying to start a controversy somehow. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. So that's the end of this episode. We will see you guys next week uh, with our after St. Patty's Day episode. Bum, bum, bow. <laughs> Goodbye. Thanks for listening, and you can find us on Instagram under Boozy Books and Movies. That is all spelled out, no spaces. Our Twitter is at Boozy Book Movie. Our email is boozybooksandmovies at gmail.com. And our PayPal uses that email also if you'd like to donate to us. Thanks so much, and don't forget to listen every Monday.